my people. Yeah. I tell you, man, 830 is rough. You walk up here and you say good morning and it's crickets. Like, there's nothing. And you're like, this is going to go awesome. <laughs> it's something like this. <laughs> we <yet>. love 830, <laughs> but they're just still waking up, I think. That's what we're going to say, right? Yeah, okay. Good morning. All right. Well, as you know, we as a church have been studying emotional healthy relationships. And so Pastor Richie asked us to come up and share a little bit about marriage. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. It's going to be not a traditional type of message. It's going to be more like us having a conversation together and inviting you in as we talk about what has worked in our marriage for the past 10 years because we recently celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, But before we get into that, thank you. (laughs) Um, We just wanted to kind of share just very quickly what marriage is because maybe there's somebody out there that has an idea And so in the context of biblical marriage, we believe that marriage is divinely created by God. He created it himself. It was not created by a government. It was not created by uh, some sort of authority that was man-made. It was literally created by God. And uh, he created it in the garden before the fall. And so it was a part of his creation and a part of that crown of creation. And so... um, All that to say is that we, unfortunately, no longer live in the garden, and there was a fall, and now we live on this side of the fall. And so that means that just like everything else, um, when the fall happened, right, Adam had to not just walk through the garden and pick food to eat, right? He had to work the ground. He had to work for his food, right? Uh, Child labor for women became much more painful. I can attest to for natural childbirths, it's not fun. Um, (laughs) But on the flip side of that is that even though marriage is more difficult than I think God ever intended it to be because he created it with creation and after the fall there was that, you know, gloomy dark cloud that's over everything, it's still beautiful. It's still glorious. It's still wonderful. We just have to work at it. And so we're going to share with you some of the things that we've done in kind of the four hot topic areas of marriage that tend to bring up a lot of conflict um, so that we can basically give you some insight for what's worked for us. It may not work for you, but it works for us and things that we've learned along the way. Um, So this is uh, kind of our Sinisi guide to two becoming one. Sure. (laughs) No, it's good stuff. Um, I was just thinking before we begin, I was thinking, at a a few thoughts. Um, A, I'm glad that we got to do this twice because, you know, stumbling through the beginning of the first service and not really sure what we were doing up here because we've never done this before in terms of just kind of having a conversation between us in front of a whole, you know, congregation is new. Um, (laughs) But... um, that was one thing, and uh, I was thinking, Pastor Richie, when you're listening to this, uh, be 
nice, you know, when we hit 20 years, you know, to be able to, to do this again. So in 10 years, June 2029, sign us up in advance. <laughs> we can do this again. I'm going to go ahead and approve that. I think that'd be a good idea. Good yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and three, I was thinking of, did anyone look ahead in the EHR study on the chapter, chapter five? This is the first time I'd ever seen the word incarnationally. You said it right this time. Yeah, because it took me like 10 times <laughs> saying it to figure out what is this word in na- national, national, incarn. It's, you know, that's the theme. And you guys, you know, come in tonight for chapter five, incarnationally, listening incarnationally. I just wanted to say it. it was just a fun word. I never heard it before. It was like, what is this word incarnationally? So to tie that into what we're talking about, incarnationally would be, right, Jesus is incarnate. of, And so we talk about that. And so it's becoming something, right? And so we're becoming one as husband and wife with God. That's the way that marriage is designed, is husband, wife, and God together. And so um, we are going to start off with talking about spiritual Uh, foundation for a marriage. And so one of the things that we did from the very beginning is making sure that we share the same beliefs and the same values, which may sound kind of like a, duh, of course you want to share the same values and same beliefs. But the reality is, is that it can take time of spending time together and it can take years before you realize, wow, you have a different belief than I do. Or I didn't realize that this was so important to me, and now it's creating some conflict. So to give you an example, I'm team coffee, okay? (laughs) I love coffee. I have always loved coffee. I will never stop loving coffee. Uh, I am on a journey that's been lifelong to lose weight, and people have said, why don't you stop drinking coffee? That isn't even on the table, okay? That, nope, will not happen. I will modify my coffee, but I will not take it off the table. I am team diehard coffee. Any coffee lovers in here? Come on. There's a lot of hands <laughs> if you're listening to this. Yeah. So when we started dating, somebody was not team coffee. Somebody was team tea. I don't know who she's talking about. <laughs> team, team green tea at yeah, the time. Yeah, team green tea. And he tried. He was like, why don't you try some green tea? It's good. I'm like, it tastes like hot water. I'm not drinking this. Hey, you know what? Where's my coffee? It was 2007. <laughs> you know, a very experimental time in my life. Sorry. And so I would make him lattes. And then he was like, oh, What is this world of coffee? I've only ever had a Frappuccino before. Yeah. Lattes are interesting. So needless to say, he is team coffee now. Mm. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But all that, it's a silly kind of example, but all that to say is that, you know, there may be things that you don't know about the person that you're dating or even the person that you're married to that you're like, wow, I didn't know that they were so passionate about that or that was so important to them or I didn't know it was so important to me until it came up um, in our marriage. And so you want to make sure that your beliefs and your values are the same because our beliefs and our values influence everything that we do. It influences how we live our day-to-day life. It influences how he manages money. Uh, (laughs) It influences 
how we treat people and interact with people. It influences how we vote and how we raise our children and how we handle conflict and how we handle in-laws and how we handle what we make for dinner and everything like that. It influences everything. And so if I have differing views than he does, we're going to constantly be butting heads. And that makes it not fun, right? Because marriage is hard enough. We want to make sure that we're on the same page. I was thinking about that. Um, and I was thinking about in between services too, um, kind of where we get our values from. And I think it's a huge plus being Christians. That Maybe we take it for granted a little bit that, you know, generally and mostly our values come from the Bible. You know what I mean? If you're raised as a Christian or if you've been a Christian for a while and you read scripture and you come to church and you, and you hear and you kind of get those values and what should be important to you in your life and what you value and what, you know, um, you, know you dedicate in terms of being super important to you. I was like, oh, okay, because I've, you know, I've been a Christian basically all my life and kind of just it being infused in me kind of slowly over time. But I was thinking, you know, if you didn't have that or if you weren't really paying attention, you know, to what your values are, and I was thinking, um, you know, because I... Now, some of you may be in the same boat. I came from a broken home, and so typically, I think, or traditionally, you know, that would have been, you know, outside of church, you know, it been brought to you by your parents and would have instilled those kind of values in. You would see, and they would talk about it, and there'd be conversations, and something like that. Maybe that happened, you know, a while back, but for me, that didn't really happen, my father wasn't really doing that because, you know, my parents were divorced. My mom didn't really sit me down and go, look, son, here's the things that are important to our family, and here's what we believe, and these are things you should strongly consider. And so I was like, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, really have that growing up. And I was appreciating the fact that as I became an adult, definitely over the past 10 years, certainly since we've been married, to advocate things like light groups, things like Bible studies, um, you know, for people, because that really helped me. I was thinking about suss out some of these things that are important to me and really was putting forward questions, being a part of these studies, whether or not it was individual studies, like, you know, men's group or studies, you know, marriage groups or just light groups, you know, the Friday night studies that we used to go to and, um, you know, marriage counseling, definitely a good thing. You know, hey, have you thought about these things and really pulling it out and making me think about it? You know, I've definitely spent a lot of time over the past 10 years really being, you know, concrete in what I know that I value and that we value. And like I was saying last service, you know, I wish that was something I would have known and been, you know, talked about earlier on because it is extremely important to know what you value and why you value these things. It's not, you know, not, not talked about, at least, um, you know, for me. And I had to kind of learn them growing up, you know. But thankfully, you know, um, we have the Word of God and we have a really good pastor and a good church that that gets presented to us. But again, I was just thinking outside of that, how was I really establishing that for us and knowing what's important? And yeah, that was just kind of a a advocation to everyone else to be a part of, you know, those light groups and things where those questions can come up and you can really kind of check yourself and go, huh, I never thought about that. Or that's a good question. I need to consider that and know, is that important to me? Is that not? And, you know, is that going to change the way I feel or think about things? Yeah. 
And I think being plugged into a group of people that are in the same season of life as you and that can encourage you and walk with you through the difficulties and the joys and blessings of life are very, very important. So whether you're married, whether you're not married, whatever that looks like for you, if you're not plugged into a light group, we would highly encourage you to do so um, because it's extremely beneficial for you to have that community of people. Yes. I was just also going to say that nothing tests your values quite so much as being married and having children. That is, <laughs> that'll definitely make you know where you stand on things. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Yes. <laughs> All right. And then the last piece that we're going to cover uh, for the spiritual piece, um, I think it's important, and we didn't get the opportunity to uh, go too deep into this, but I think it's twofold. So, um, the first is that when Vin and I got married, this is, this is how much money we made. Mm. Oh, hoy, matey, where is the income? <laughs> right? We got married in 2009. So I lost my job literally a week before we got married. Does anyone remember 2008, 2009? Were times <laughs> great then? Was that? Oh, no. Um, and Vin was, he was diligently looking for work but he didn't have work and so we literally started off our marriage unemployed with no income and so all that to say is that um, I'm going to bring it back around so don't worry we are going to talk about finances next but um, one reason that I believe God has blessed our marriage so much in the past 10 years is because we repented we were young and silly in our early 20s and made decisions and made mistakes that could have had a detrimental effect on our marriage and on our relationship, but we truly repented, and Vin stepped into the role of a spiritual leader right away and said, if we're going to repent, we're going to do it right, and he led the charge with that. And I firmly believe that that's one of the key reasons that God blessed our marriage, uh, because we repented and we invited him into our relationship. The second reason, and this is going to flow into finances that I believe our uh, marriage has been blessed, is because even when we made nothing, we had no income when we first got married. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment in a not-so-great neighborhood, <laughs> and didn't know at times how we were going to pay rent, we still tithed. And we have been tithing since day one. And so that ties into what Josh was saying, is that I challenge you, like, we couldn't afford to tithe because we literally had no income, but we did it anyway. And we feel that God blessed our marriage and has continued to bless our marriage and um, continues to bless us in other ways as well. But we firmly believe that those two aspects of starting our marriage on those two feet have provided such a providential blessing for us. So with that, we are going to go into finances. And this is like his bread and butter. He is the budget supervisor for the VA hospital. Recently promoted. Good job, Ooh, honey. Thank you. Thank you. So money and numbers and calculating and doing that is like his forte right like he loves that you're lucky yeah. <laughs> i am very blessed i like to spend money that's all i know is i like to go out and spend it yes huh, she honey? does yes she does <laughs> 
I'm going to yeah. let you kind of lead the charge on this if you want, because sure. you're, this is like your, your moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will do that. I, I just, I wanted to before just piggyback on, on um, what you and what Josh said. While the cinnamon challenge may not be fun or a good thing, the 10% challenge certainly uh, was a good thing for us. And it was, um, just wanted to um, say before in general with the finances, that was something that I had, um, listening to a sermon, sermon, believe it or not, um, it was a, the, the tender commandments. I remember what it was. And one of them was, wow, was on, good. yeah, like 10 years ago, tender commandments. The title. It was 10 years ago. Um, on, so talking about, you know, not to steal. And that was the kind of crux of not stealing was stealing from God via not tithing when he asked us to tithe. And it was, definitely something that I had been, you know, like, I'd always not been sure on and been conflicted about, and I just got this immediate, like, oh, that's right, I need to do that, and that's it, where it came from, you know, was listening to a sermon in church, and I just went, all right, from now on, 10%, I'm just going to take the 10% challenge, and it's definitely been a good thing ever since in terms of being consistent with that, but moving on from that to the financial portion in terms of how we are one, um, I think that most people would probably agree, whether you're married or not married, would fall into the category of being a saver or a spender. Where are all my spenders at? Where are the spenders at? Dude, there's like five people raising Come your hand. On. Come on. That's I know there's true. more spenders there in this go. room right now. <laughs> Where are my savers at? We got some savers. Yeah. Oh. Look at that. What a church. <laughs> Woo. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and, um, and we we did find one couple in first service that were both savers. I was I was a bit suspicious at first, but we met with them afterwards and did <laughs> confirm they were in fact both savers. So it is true. We called them our unicorns. We have yes, unicorns we have here. Unicorns. Giddy up, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure most people would probably you know easily fall into one of there. And when you're married, have both of those. Have a spender and a saver. And we fall into, in terms of a personal finance philosophy, um, has anyone heard of Dave Ramsey? Okay. I know. He's, he's pretty, pretty more, he's, well, he's definitely a lot more popular now. He's been going, yeah. anyway, he has a, a personal financial philosophy, but I, I ran, you know, into his book 10 years ago while I was um, getting ready to kind of graduate college and I'm a finance major and I know everything I need to know about finances because I'm a finance major and I took an investments class. Yeah. No, it is very different. Um, you know, <laughs> business finances and governmental finance compared to personal finance. Um, it just, it was totally random. I was out on a vacation with my brother and uncle and he's like, hey, I read this book. You should check it out. I'm like, okay, Dave Ramsey, who's this bald guy with glasses? I don't yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess I'll read this. It looks interesting. And I, you know, cracked open the first chapter and and just read it all the way through. It was very. It's, it's like I was looking for something like that in terms of you know personal finance, having all this you know corporate finance knowledge in my head. And I just took it and ran with it. And I brought it back and said, "Honey, you need to listen to what this guy said in this book. We need to stop spending money right now." <laughs> He came home very fired up and, like, made Excel spreadsheets mm -hmm. with, like, the tabs on the oh, bottom. Yeah. And he was like, here's all our debt. 
here's everything that we owe, here's, here's how much we make, we're going to pay off this debt. And I'm like, what is a budget? And what do you mean I cannot go and buy that T-shirt? Or I can't buy the, like, special, you know, food item at the store because it's on sale. Like, what are you talking about? And so um, I did have enough sense, though, thank you, Jesus, that before we got married, I knew I am not very good at money. Like, I'm actually really horrible at it. Like, I'm the girl that I'm like, oh, yeah, that bill was due, like, five months ago. Oops. <laughs> she did have so, a late payment on her credit before. Yeah, yeah. so I yeah. knew before we got married, I said, you're managing the money because I already know I'm not good at it. Like, you're you're good at it. I'm not. You're handling the money. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I at least had enough wisdom about myself to know that. And so... I also took that wisdom that God had given me and that insight to be able to say, I may not like the word budget. By the way, I still don't like the word budget. <laughs> um, I may not like, not you know, having to totally change our lives. and to- I don't like this, but I trust your leadership. I trust your ability to manage our finances, and I know that I'm not good at it, so I'm going to submit to that, and I'm going to, to the best of my ability, follow the rules. I follow them, like, 85% of the time. Give me some credit, like, right. 85%. Right. Like <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. But well, we've I, had 10 years to work yeah, on it and figure yeah. it out. So. But all that to say is that I was, like, dead weight the entire time. I was like, well, you can do this if you want, but I'm going to 830 service right here. Yeah. and I was you know like really like angry and like bitter and it was it was really hard and we had to really work on those things and coming back to our core beliefs and values you know I like uh to give gifts to people you know if you woke up and you're breathing I could probably have a gift for you today and so it was really hard for me to be able to I'm sorry I can't go to that birthday party or I, I can't bring you a gift or I can't do those things because we have goals, we have plans, we have a budget that we're following. And it caused, you know, a little bit of conflict that we had to work through, but it also caused conflict in our outside relationships because people are like, why don't you hang out? Why don't you guys go anywhere? Why don't you do anything? And it was like, well, because we're eating on rice and beans figuratively so that we can have more later and we can give more and we can do more with it later and so we're trying to get out of debt and do and people didn't understand and so it did cause some strife that we worked through and um yeah so here we are yeah i was just gonna say you know whether or not you follow dave ramsey and the total money makeover or you have a different you know strategy in terms of handling your personal finance number one thing is having a plan for how you manage that. And then if you are married, being on the same page in, in how you do that. And it always baffled me, you know, talking to people that have been married for a while. Oh, we have separate bank accounts. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know how you do that in terms of wanting to be one. I mean, we got married. We immediately combined everything. and was like, we are one. Yeah. He's so financial oriented, which is a good thing. I don't mean that to sound like that, but... It was so, like, I am, do, we're doing this is the first day of our honeymoon. Do you know what we did? We went to the bank. Went to the bank, yeah. Deposited and that. And we closed my checking account, yeah. and I joined his checking account, and we've had one account since April 4th, 2009, because we were married on April 3rd, 
2009. <laughs> no, we did Saturday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all that to say is that, you know, for us, that works. I don't want to, like, be legalistic and say, like, if you have separate accounts or anything, this that that law. can't you work. You must do it this way. But I do think that that can cause division, that can cause a separation, and that can prevent you from becoming one. Because I know that when I go and I swipe that card, he's going to see it. He's going to know exactly that where day. I went yeah. and spent money. <laughs> And I'm going to get a text that says... What is this? 2349, Why? question mark. Why? <laughs> and I'm, I'm in... going to go, uh, I Why don't know. Why is Target and Costco taking all of our money? <laughs> yeah. Why are you giving it to them? Because <laughs> you gave me four children. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Problem solved. Moving on. I'll never ask that question again. <laughs> Speaking of four children, we're going to move on to the physical and emotional intimacy portion. Are we, are we done with money already? <laughs> That's my favorite topic. I know. I know. We don't have enough time. We don't. Okay. You can ask Pastor Richie if you can join the speaking team. Uh, Just about finances. I don't though. want to take away from what you're doing. Oh. I'll let you handle that. Part. We're I'll, one. I'll, I will handle we the money. One. You handle the speaking. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, intimacy, physical and emotional. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. Anything you want to say? Um, well, I, I like how we've been doing this. <laughs> how you lead us off, and then I add a comment after you okay. introduce the topic. Okay. Although you let me do, do finance. I did, of, Although yeah. you still prefaced it with something. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so. This is more you than me. Okay. Yeah. This is my shindig. All right, um, intimacy, physical and emotional. Okay, so I know it's awkward. I know it's something very private and personal, but the reality is, is that it's a very important part of your marriage relationship. And so all that to say is that communication is very important. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's everything from here's all of the baggage that I'm bringing into the marriage that I need your help to work through me with me on. And then that also includes like, hey, these are the things that I need. These are the things that I want. These are the things that I like. These are the things that I don't like in all aspects of what that looks like. And I encourage you to have those conversations as awkward as they can be because it's important. Because especially for us right now, we are in the grinded out season of life. We both work full time. We have four kids. And we have my elderly grandmother who lives with us. Okay? So it's like our, a fifth kid sometimes. <laughs> um, so our life is very full. So date nights are few and far between. Like very few and far between because we don't have a lot of family help because we don't have a lot of family that lives here. Okay? So the one way that we're able to connect is to be able to communicate by doing what we call couch dates. We sit on the couch and we stare at each other and hey. go... You Are doing? you tired? Yeah. Because I'm tired. Uh, me too. <laughs> you got 20 minutes to talk and tell me about your day? Yes. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. And so we're able to have those conversations, not just about our physical relationship together, but about everything. What are our goals? How's work going? How are you feeling? You know, what are some of the, like, concerns you have? Are you feeling anything emotional? Because I'm the moody one in our, our <laughs> relationship, and so... That means I just feel things very intensely, emotionally. It's actually a 
a good thing. I that think. means I'm the non-moody yeah. one in the relationship. You're the moody. Everyone laughs, though, when he's like, she's the moody one. Everyone goes, <gasps> I can't believe he, believe he just called you moody. No, no, it's just You're identifying between us. let him call us. you moody? Are yeah. you serious? <laughs> but it just means that I, I have a lot of emotions. He's very logical, analytical. I'm German and Italian, and so I spout off and react to things all the time. So Go all that the finance guy is the analytical one. I know. Yeah. Surprising, right? Yeah. Um, the Italian-German spouting off the counselor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all that to say is that we really work on our communication. Because even when we were dating, because remember we were broke college students, we still didn't go on dates. So really nothing's changed for us. <laughs> there was like a year, like while we were both working and before we had kids, sort of. Although I was still being really tight with you the money. Were being yeah, really but tight I, I feel like we went on a couple dates that year. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So all that to say is that we take that time to invest in communication, and we talk about those things. And um, we also want to say that, like, love languages are a real thing. So it's important that you learn what that person in your life's love language is, and you do your best to speak it. My love language is gifts and time. So for my saver husband who doesn't like to spend money, that can be a challenge, right? And right now we have four kids Plus, we help take care of my grandmother. Plus, we work for it full time. So time is very constricted in our family. And so we have to make the most of what we have right now. And so we want to make sure that communication is key and being able to um, have that time. Yes. I, I just, a couple of thoughts I was thinking in terms of communication. Because I had always heard that, you know, in terms of, uh, what's the number one thing you know, when you're hearing from people in the interview? You, you've been married 50 years. What's the number one thing? Communication. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. I what, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just, just talking or what is communication? And I have learned through, um, you know, I don't want to say trial and error. It's not trial. And, well, it's a part of that. But just being dedicated to wanting to be an effective communicator Merely just saying communication doesn't really mean anything in terms of a husband and wife relationship because me just talking at you or to you isn't effective communication. I'd learned that there are, now, you know, let me get ready for your shock face. Men and women talk differently. What? Yeah, it's true. Um, there's a different way that we say things and a different way that we hear things. And that hadn't really, you know, been explained to me. It was, it was you know, you need to, to communicate and be honest. Oh, okay, be honest. Let me tell you how I'm feeling. Oh, yeah, well, you're feeling that, da, da, da. And it would cause a lot of problems <laughs> and arguments. This big ziti needs more sauce. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I the was very told first meal that. I made for him. Yeah. This baked ziti needs more sauce. It's, not, it's too dry. You like honesty. I'm told you women want honesty from people that are, no? What? I'm being honest. Yeah. It, stuff like that. Yeah, it was not a good thing to say. You need to learn how to communicate and say things sensitively and, you know, be, well, being in touch with how, you know, your uh, wife or then girlfriend is going to hear what you are saying and to be, you know, kind while being sincere. There's a whole way to, to talk and to 
hear things. Uh, love and respect. Yes. Study. Yes. Good, 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 good study. Um, yeah. But I mean, over it took a, a while, many yeah. years of figuring that out because no one sat me down and go, now listen, I know what you've been told communication and honesty, but let me explain to you what that means so that you don't get into trouble consistently being communicatively <laughs> honest. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that is definitely very important. And um can I interject yeah. something? So with that, I just, I also had to learn that I had to build a filter in my mind that when my husband said something that maybe seemed insensitive to me or frustrated me or anything like that, I always ask myself these two questions. What is my husband trying to tell me and is he intentionally trying to hurt my feelings? And the answer to that second question is always no. Like, I know that he loves me. I know that... He's just trying to tell me something. And so once it goes through that filter, I'm able to kind of sift through my own emotions and my own stuff and be like, okay, this is what, this is the point he was trying to make to me. And then I'm able to come back and say to him, like, I understand that this is what you meant. However, next time, can we maybe work on this way to say it? Because this is what I heard when you said blah, 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 blah. And so it reduces our conflict a lot. He works really hard at changing those messages, and I work really hard at trying not to be offended and to be able to say, okay, what is my husband really saying? Because I know that he loves me, and he would not intentionally want to hurt me or anything like that. So, Yes, very good. No, And um, love languages, just to talk for a second on that in terms of how important that is. I don't know. I think a lot of people have heard about love languages. Maybe they've read the book. Maybe they, they haven't. But definitely, again, this is about what's been working for us, recognizing what those are and then trying to do your best to, to facilitate, you know, that, you know, spending time and gift giving and, you know, knowing that's how she feels love with those things and realizing that my love languages are not the same thing. And as I understand it, you tend to kind of do what your love language is. Um, you know, mine is words of affirmation and physical touch. Um, you know, four stroking kids. the shoulder. Yes, four kids. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this, that's, you think, okay, that's, the that's first what, service didn't laugh at that. No, joke, it by was, the way. it was this again. <laughs> um, yeah. So you tend to do what, what you appreciate. And so, being married and having that, that time and realizing, ah, having a new respect for a completely different set of love languages. And it, I found it very difficult to want to give gifts because that's not something, I mean, I like receiving gifts, but it doesn't fill me with <laughs> love. I'm not like, oh, this is so great. I'm so, you know, energized and enthusiastic for the rest of the week after receiving a gift. It's, oh, cool. I like this. All right, let me go use it and move on. I'm not, you know, it doesn't change you know, how I feel, really. And so having to learn that and try and, you know, grow in terms of, of expressing a different love language so that she feels loved. And, you know, a challenge in terms of trying to give her qual- the quality time that makes her feel loved, however difficult it is. You know, what? Watching a movie for two hours wasn't quality. We spent time together. That didn't, no? But that, just two hours. That's not enough? Okay, yeah, that, that, that doesn't mean quality time. Quality time is 
taking some time to go do something, to go out, to talk, to communicate, to be intimately in tune with the other person and really just have a good time together, staring at a screen for an hour and a half. Is that good? You see that? that was, yeah, it does not equal quality time. And so that was a misconception I had. But learning those those differences is definitely very important. And um, yeah, we have to still work on it. It's not something, oh, we got this down, we don't think about it anymore. We're continually working at growing in that. And I wanted to share the same nugget that I shared with first service in terms of just, you know, if you guys use this, let me know. Because I, I felt like it was really cool. It was the first time, yeah, after all this, that we implemented something really cool. On December 31st, in an effort to spend quality time and be intimate with each other, we blocked out three hours. We laid the kids down. You know, it's New Year's Eve. Nine o'clock, kids go to bed. All right, we're going to stay up from nine. Are you guys getting excited? Nine to midnight as we count down. We are not going to stare at a screen. We're going to sit and face each other and talk about the whole next year and plan. And eat cheesecake. And eat cheesecake. Yes. I, I know. How could I forget the most important part? <laughs> right. And so we just spent three hours just talking about our kind of vision for the new year, talking about all the things that we wanted to get done that we didn't get done in the previous year and just you know laughed and joked and just shared for three hours you know on new year's eve thinking about the next year and just spending that intimate time together one-on-one and having three hours of couch time you know our own kind of at-home date and it was really fun and i think about it i go ah i want to definitely do that every year and why didn't i do that all the years before it was just really cool we had our phones and plug things into the calendar because that's you know calendar means phone now it's not flip paper calendar that we're used to. i know just you know it's easier that way no pencils i like to yeah use no that pencils. no pencils no nah, but it was just really good and it was really fun and just whenever i think about it i go oh man i can't wait to do that again darn i have to wait a whole year but you don't have to wait a whole year. You can do that every month or every week if you really want to be on it. You don't need to spend three hours, but yeah, it was just really cool. So, you guys, for you know December 31st, if you find yourself bored between 9 and midnight, plan the year. It's a good thing. Does anyone know I like to plan stuff? Yeah. All right. So there's, I know you guys are getting antsy and hungry. It's almost lunchtime. We just have one more area we want to cover, and it'll be brief. But the other thing that we do that we feel is a hot topic area in marriages is regarding outside relationships. So this could be your friends. This could be your in-laws. This could be your work, whether it's your actual job or the people you work with. And it also mean ministry if you're serving in ministry. And so we make it a priority to protect our relationship in our marriage so one core value we have is that we do not talk down to each other and we also do not talk bad about each other to anybody else so because I'm the moody one I tend to if I get frustrated or upset about something I may need to vent and so my people some of them are over here in this vicinity Um, and so if I need that, if I need to be able just to release that frustration, I know that if I call or I text or I spend time with these ladies, I know that they're going to be praying for me. I know that they're going to be praying for my marriage. I know that they're going to encourage me to go back and talk to my husband and to work it out with him. And they aren't going to allow me to put him down or to say anything bad about him or anything. So it's just a true, I feel blank because 
blank is happening. And so it's just a release of that emotion so that I'm able to come back and have a conversation with him. Nine times out of ten, we just do it directly with each other. He apparently doesn't need any venting because he's awesome. I don't need to vent to groups of women. No, no. unfortunately not. <laughs> You're missing out. Uh, you are missing out, man. Sometimes it does sound like fun, especially with all the snacks you guys bring. To, snacks, you know, yeah. yes. Um, so all that to say is that we've had to make boundaries that have been really hard with people in our family. We've had to make boundaries with friends. Uh, we've had to make boundaries with work and those types of things. And, you know, even boundaries with ministry, you know, I feel called to write, I feel called to speak and teach, but sometimes I have to be say no, because I'm in the grinded out season of my life and in our marriage, and I have to be home with my babies, and I have to be home with my husband, and so I have to have those boundaries in place, and, um, you know, when people say things about my husband, sometimes my family, they're German, they're so German, like, they're just, sometimes. Does that have German sound? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all that to say is that they can get kind of hyper-focused on something and they can start spouting off stuff. And I have to be the one to say, hey, no, you can't talk about my husband like that. I'm not going to listen to that. And this is what we're doing. And I stand united with him when that happens. And so it's hard sometimes because we love our family and we love, you know, all of our extended friends and stuff. But this relationship is priority. And so having the boundaries to be able to protect that is vital. I was, you know, we were talking last night, and I was thinking about something um, just in terms of being in a relationship and when you are married, you know, that means um, that you were coming together and becoming one, and you were being cleaved together in terms of, of what that means. And we're talking about how, um, you know, before two people are married, it's just kind of two individuals floating out there with a bunch of other people, I know, floating out there individually amongst other other people. You're not, you're just one person. And so all your relationships are kind of at the same level. You know, it's just a one-to-one re- relationship with other people. And, you know, it's not, it can be dependent on time. It can be dependent on experiences that you had, of course, dependent on family. You know, I mean, we're blood, so of course we need to be, you know, tight and, um, you know, spend time together and be in a solid relationship. But then when you get married, none of that takes into effect. It's not, it's not the amount of time. It's not all the stuff that we've gone through. And it definitely shouldn't be that we're related. That'd be not good. Um, But that then supersedes all your other relationships. You become one. And I was, you know, it's like you get bumped up. You know, now we are here, and then everyone else is all on this this other other plane in terms of relationship of wise. Right, like my priority relationship right. is this other person I'm married to, and then the others are below that. Right. Not like you're elevated if you're married. That's yes. not what we're saying. Good, good, yes, um, <laughs> yeah. And so, in terms of importance, now you're this one person that you've cleaved to and that you've dedicated your life to becomes the most important relationship. You know, human relationship. I just say, I mean, obviously, your relationship with God is more important. But in terms of people, that becomes the relationship that, you know, that is now above everyone else's relationship. And it means that despite all those other things that you had before, now it's changed for good or for bad, but hopefully good in terms of 
having, all right, now that I'm with this one person, you know, I love you, and I, you know, you're still my friend or whatever it is, but now it's, it's different because now I'm cleaved to another person, and I have to take into account them and everything that, that we are doing, and so inevitably things have to change for good or for bad. It doesn't mean we can't have, you know, a relationship anymore, but now I'm committed to this other person for the rest of my life to do these you know, to do life together with. And that's the way that God designed it and said, you know, you leave your father and your mother to cleave to another person. In essence, leave, you know, your friends and everyone else that you previously had, you know, a different kind of relationship with. And, you know, in terms of talking about this last thing, yeah, it inevitably requires you to make hard choices, you know, to change that you know, what you once had with other people. And now, hey, I have to commit to this other person. I can't spend as much time like we used to do. We can't go out and do the things that we used to do anymore. We have to, you know, move away and live somewhere else. I can't live there anymore. And it's tough, but that's the decision that one makes when they get married to put that relationship above everything else. Because that's what you've been called to do. And that's the way that God designed it. If you lack other things, you know, up to and including ministry. And I, I will say personally, you know, I used to just think, oh, well, you know, you're a pastor, you're a missionary, you know, or whatever it is, you're called to ministry. Well, your relationship must be solid and nothing could ever break that. And unfortunately, you know, I've seen that more than once that, you know, ministry can, you know, you put that above your marriage can affect that, you know, very detrimentally. Yeah. And, you know, in our own relationship, you know, I used to do, um, you know, youth ministry, you know, and get caught up in that. You know, I need to take less time doing that because I'm not taking enough time spending time with my wife and with my family. It can become like a job and become something that takes away from the number one thing that you've been called to keep solid, to cleave to your wife or to your spouse. And, you know, that is real. But I've definitely learned that and seen that through other people. But that's, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah. It, it changes relationally. you got to step up and make those changes, you know, um, if it's affecting your marriage, if people are, are speaking ill towards your relationship once you've been married and can't have it. you got to make those boundaries. <laughs> and that includes social media, too. So whoever may need to hear that, <laughs> don't put your business on social media. Only you can prevent Facebook drama, okay? Don't put your stuff on social media. That was good. Did you make that up? No. Uh, <laughs> really good. All right. So, all right. Thank you for just sitting with us and letting us kind of talk your ears off together. We appreciate the audience and your graciousness to let us share Hopefully you got a nugget out of today that you can either apply in your own marriage relationship or even with people that you work with or in your families because a lot of these core truths that we've found can be applied to other relationships too. So we just want to pray for you really quick and then you guys can head out. <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the creator of marriage and that you are the one who ordained it and um, added it to kind of that cherry on top of your creation, Father God. And we just thank you for that. And I thank you um, that you have given Vin and I the opportunity to just share what has worked in our marriage and what we've learned in the past 10 years. We thank you for the blessing that you've given us. 
and pray that you would continue to give us many more years together. And we also pray for our brothers and sisters in this room, Father God, in whatever season they may be in, whether it's married, whether it's divorced, whether it's widowed, whether it's single, whether it's separated, Father God, whether it's engaged, whatever that looks like, Father, I just pray that you would meet them exactly where they're at and that you would be able to just take the information we presented today and be able to have them see it in a way that would be a blessing to them and be able to encourage their hearts, Father. Be with us as we go out and into our weeks, and we love you and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.